Will you hit it then? And uh, I want you to come with me this morning to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we are continuing in our study of notable women of the Bible. This is number 12. So find Acts 16 and then just hold your place there just for a moment. The story of Lydia is a very intriguing one. And once again, it shows us the providence of God. In other words, how God works behind the scenes of our lives to bring about His eternal purposes. Lydia, as we'll see in a moment, uh, came from Asia Minor, the Roman province of Asia Minor. And she came from the area called Lydia, which is probably where she got her name from. She was actually a Lydian by birth. Her home city was uh, Theatira. And uh, Theatira, you may recall, whenever John, many, many, many years after this, when he was an old, old man, and he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and he got that wonderful, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he wrote it down and distributed it among seven churches in Asia Minor. And in the city of Theatira, by this time, when John was an old man, there was a church in that city, and that became one of the seven churches that Jesus addressed uh, in the book of Revelation. Now, that particular church, Theatira, uh, had the terrible distinction of having uh, the woman Jezebel in its midst. Now, that wasn't her actual name, but what it meant was that she had the spirit of the original Jezebel. You remember he was married to King Ahab of Israel in the Old Testament in the times of Elijah the prophet. Lydia was a very successful businesswoman. She was a seller of purple, it tells us here in a moment. And uh, it was a very special purple dye that they obviously dyed cloth with. And it came from two uh, sources. One was a, a mollusk, uh, a seashell. And uh, it was extracted from that, and it was very, very expensive. And the other was from the, the root of the madder plant, which was also quite expensive too. Uh, it was much sought after, particularly the, the mollusk shell dye was much sought after by royalty because they wanted their robes in this beautiful purple color. And so it was a very lucrative business. Now, Thyatira also had the distinction of having many gills within the city. Uh, these would be uh, like little cottage industries. Uh, there would be a leathermaker's guild, there would be a wool spinner's guild, there would be silversmiths and goldsmiths, and all kinds of gills would be there. And they'd be run along the lines almost like trade reunions, uh, where if you, if you weren't in a guild, you'd find it very, very difficult to buy or to sell unless you were in the particular guild. Now this woman, Lydia, at some point, we don't know when, but at some point or other, she decided that she was going to leave Theatira and she was going to leave uh, province of Lydia and Asia Minor and she was going to move to Philippi. Now not only did she leave her hometown and not only did she leave her home country, but she actually moved to a different continent altogether. She moved from Asia Minor, which was uh, in the east, uh, into Europe, which was in the West. Probably did it for business reasons, uh, probably saw a very lucrative uh, European market opening up. You remember the Romans ruled at this time and they uh, ruled all of Europe and into Asia and all over the place. 
And so it probably was a good time to expand her business. And so probably for that reason, that's why she, she moved. And uh, she doesn't appear, as far as we know, to be married. Perhaps she was a widow or maybe a spinster. Doesn't look as if she had any children. They're not mentioned, at least. Uh, a household is mentioned, but that probably was uh, her servants. And, uh, but what we do know about her was the Bible tells us that she was a worshiper of God. And more than likely, she was a proselyte. In other words, she was a Gentile who had embraced uh, Judaism, the, the religion of the Jews. Uh, but whether she was a full proselyte, we're not sure. But what we do know was that she was a worshiper of the one true and living God. It would also seem that in Philippi at this time, that there was uh, no synagogue. Because there was probably very, very few Jews lived there. It only took 10 adult Jews to form a quorum in order to establish a synagogue. And if there had been 10 adult Jews there, you could almost be certain that they would have had a quorum and they would have established a synagogue. That would be their want to do that. So the fact that there was no synagogue and the fact that there was just a handful of women meeting for a prayer at a riverside would tell us that there was few Jews at that time uh, in Philippi. And so we shall see in a moment uh, how God goes to great lengths in order to win this woman to himself in the fullest, truest way that she becomes a follower of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that encourages all of us to know that how that God uh, went out of his way to arrange in his providence uh, that our paths would cross certain people at different times uh, to lead us to Christ, his Son. And so with that in mind, uh, we now want to begin to read uh, chapter, Acts chapter 16. In fact, I'll just read from the very beginning. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now this was Paul going on a second missionary journey. And part of that missionary journey was to visit established churches in the regions and to deliver onto them the decrees or the advices of the mother church in Jerusalem. From time to time they would meet together, particularly whenever Gentiles were coming to faith to see if they were allowed to, what they could do, what they could not do. Could they eat meat offered on the edits and so forth and so on. So these rules, not many, but some were made to help them in their newfound faith in Christ. Certainly didn't want to go under legalism of, of the Judaism that, that the Jews had been under. They were coming from a pagan society into this newfound faith in Christ. So they wanted just to make some ground rules for them to help them. And we see here that he has taken on to himself now this young man, Timothy. His own son in the faith later on he calls him. Remember that in his first missionary journey, how that he was, it was Paul and Barnabas that was together, and then how that John Mark had joined them, and then he left them. And there was a great uh, dispute between Barnabas and the apostle Paul because John Mark had left them. 
Barnabas wanted to give him another chance, and Paul says, no way, uh, he's let us down, so let him stay. And, and there was, they, they split up, and then Paul took Silas, and now uh, he's taken on Timothy for this second missionary journey. And then it says in verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, so the they that it mentions there is obviously Paul, Silas, and Timothy. When you come to verse 11, you'll see in a moment, it says, Therefore sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course uh, onto Samothrace. We ran. So the energies is Dr. Luke to us. Dr. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He's the historian who wrote this book. And so this is introducing him into the equation. So now there's four of them by that particular time. You'll see it Troas in a moment. So when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Seems unusual, doesn't it? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. Now that's Asia Minor. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, Adam Clark, the commentator, says that the Holy Spirit wasn't barring them from preaching in all of Asia Minor, because they really had done that and were doing that, but in three particular provinces, Ionia, Elonia, and Lydia. Interestingly, Lydia was one they were forbidden to preach in. And so, whenever the Holy Spirit told them not to preach in these areas, it must have been a little frustrating to say the least. Because you can be sure that before they ever set out, they had their journey mapped out. I'm sure they looked at their charts and their maps and they planned they, they would, they would, this would be an expedition and evangelism. They want to make sure they, had, they were going to the right places. Obviously, they had thought about it much and planned much for this. And suddenly now they're getting into this area, they're going west, and the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't want you to preach in these areas. So that must have been a little bit frustrating. However, because Paul was a spiritual man, a very spiritual man, led by the Spirit, he must have realized fairly quickly, if the Holy Spirit's forbidding us and stopping us from preaching here, he's got a good reason for it. Even though we don't know what it is yet, but we can be sure the Holy Spirit is up to something. At least that's what he would be thinking. And so passing by Mysiah, they came to Troas. Now Troas was a port on the Aegean Sea. And so, instead of going west now, they're going kind of southeast from where they had been. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So now that they're here in Troas, waiting on the Holy Spirit, guiding them again, suddenly he has this vision in the night, and he sees a man saying, come and help us. And he knows immediately that the come and help us is to say, come and preach to us. Come and share the gospel with us. That's what they were doing. That's what their lives were dedicated to. So he had no hesitation. Immediately they decided the Lord wants us to go to Macedonia. Now that was just literally across the sea from them, from where they were. So the Lord had them strategically placed at Troas at this point. And it would seem that at this point is where uh, Dr. Luke joined the team at this particular place. He was a Greek uh, uh, by nationality, by birth, 
And many believed that he lived actually in Philippi, but it was seen that at least he joined them at Troas. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothraci, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. Now, this would be about a two to three day journey by boat. It would be about 150 miles straight across the Aegean Sea. So it, wasn't, it was within easy reach for them. And uh, so they set sail immediately and they came to this colony in Macedonia, uh, which would be Philippi. You know, this we're talking now about modern day Greece, by the way, but this would be Philippi. Uh, this city was named after Alexander the Great's father, Philip. And it was a Roman colony. Now, you have to understand that what happened in those days was that, that Nero's, they would send out particularly retired army, army generals, uh, army personnel. They would send them out to colonize certain cities because they wanted more of, a, of an affluence of Rome, an influence of Rome within those cities. And so they would send them out to colonize certain cities and, and raise up the whole culture of Rome within those cities. And as a, as a kind of a, a sweetener to do that, they would say, if you go there, we'll make that city tax-free for Roman citizens. So it was a very attractive thing. They had to leave Italy, and they would have to leave the home of their birth to go into different parts of, of the Roman Empire. But because it would be tax-free, then that was a sweetener uh, for them, an incentive for them to go. So that's the area that we're in here. It's a Roman colony. There been lots of Romans there. By the way, Romans were very, very partial to the purple dye that Lydia was selling, the purple clothes and, and goods that she was selling. They were really, really partial to that. So that's another reason, perhaps, why Lydia went over there as well to see this new mark opening up. And so, it says, We were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. I remember I told you that there was no synagogue in the city. And so what would normally happen, because there wasn't 10 Jewish men to form one, then the rabbis had decided, by the way, this wasn't God saying this. This was the rabbis made this rule up. And part of the rule was if there wasn't 10 men to form a, establish a synagogue, then they couldn't officially, the men couldn't officially hold like a service as if they're in a synagogue. And it was left then to the woman to go and hold prayer times and perhaps study scripture together, but in a kind of an unofficial way. And it would usually be by riverside so they could use the water for bathing and so forth for purification purposes. And normally there'd be some kind of a little building, not, not a synagogue or not a big thing, but some kind of a, a shelter for them uh, to pray in. And so Paul typically, as a missionary evangelist, anywhere he would go uh, in the Roman Empire in those days, the first thing he would look for would be a synagogue to preach in because the gospel was to the Jew first. And even though he was commissioned by God to go to the Gentiles, his belief was it was to the Jew first. He would go there, preach to them, and then whatever Gentiles he could find, he would minister to them also. So he would stay there several days, find out there's no synagogue. He would ask around, find out, well, where's the prayer meeting? Where are the women meeting for prayer? Oh, down by the riverside. And so come the Sabbath day, they would go down by the riverside. And there we sat down, it says, and spoke to the woman who met there. Now the fact that he sat down would lead us to believe that he wasn't, his, his type of ministry here would not be standing up preaching. 
he'd be sitting down more teaching, like a rabbi would. And so this is more informal way he's reaching these particular women. Now I want you to notice something here as we go on. He spoke to the woman who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Now a couple of things about that. First of all, isn't it wonderful that here is this godly businesswoman and she's in this pagan city and it comes the Sabbath day when everybody else would be doing business but she's at the prayer meeting. She's having church. She's honoring God. Isn't that lovely? She's honoring the Lord. She's put her businesses totally aside. Says, this day is for the Lord God. I will worship Him this day. No doubt she worshiped Him every day, but I will worship Him. I will set aside this day for the worship of my God. Would to God that every born-again believer in this country would remember that when it comes to the Lord's day. So many excuses people make on the Lord's day to be somewhere else and do something else other than be in the house of God. God has given us six days to do everything else. He says, just give me one day. And I can't even do that many times because we're so busy, 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 busy. And then I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And then I need a rest, I need a break, I need this, I need that. We need to be in the Lord's house. And so here she was and it says, and Lydia heard us. It's a very, very strong word that Luke uses here. She intently listened. And she didn't just hear with her ears, she heard with her spirit. She didn't just hear, she heeded. You can hear a lot, but how much do we heed what we hear? So she heard, she listened intently, and she was sitting engrossed in everything that these men were telling her. And it says that she was a seller of purple from the city of Theatira who worshipped God. And it says, the Lord opened her heart. That's a lovely phrase, isn't it? The Lord opened her heart. You know, she was walking in the light that she had, but she needed more light to walk in. And I think it's wonderful that, that the Lord God would, would take the Apostle Paul especially and he would cause them to go hundreds and hundreds of miles and days and days and days out of his way just to reach this one woman. Just to reach this one woman from Theatira. He couldn't preach in Theatira. The woman that God wanted to reach no longer lived there. She lived in another continent. And God, God, God got Apostle Paul to move to another continent just to reach this one woman with the gospel. It shows you the lengths God goes to to reach us, doesn't it? See, if you sat down and thought about it, every one of you believers has got a journey, has got a story about a journey you made and how that God, along that journey, intercepted your path Somebody crossed your path. Something happened. Maybe it was no job. Maybe it was a next door neighbor or a loved one or something happened. But God moved to get you where you were positioned that he could reach you and speak to you. And this is what's happening to this precious lady. And the Lord opened her heart. Not one of us would be sitting here today 
if the Lord hadn't opened our hearts. All the preaching in the world, all the witnessing, all the testifying in the world to us would not have changed us except until the Lord opened our hearts. This is a work of God. This is a supernatural thing. Salvation is of the Lord. It's all by His grace and mercy. There is nothing we could have possibly done except the Lord even gave us the very faith to believe Him. It's all of His grace and mercy, isn't it? And it was the Lord that opened each and every one of our hearts. I love what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, Is it not a wonder that the Lord can open a human heart? For he who made the lock knows well what key will fit it. <laughs> For he who made the lock knows well what key will fit it. And the Lord used a different key in all of our hearts to open it. So here she's sitting, listening to these four preachers. And they're telling her the way more clearly. Yes, she had embraced Judaism. Yes, she was a worshiper of the one true God, but she didn't know about Jesus. She didn't know about the Son of God. She probably heard about a Messiah that was to come from the Jews, but she didn't know he had already come. Whatever these men told her, she just drunk it in. She's like a sponge sitting there. And suddenly in the midst of all of that conversation, the light came on. The penny dropped. The Holy Spirit enlightened her heart and mind. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you judge me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. When she and her household, was it her children? Could have been, we're not sure. But it seemed more likely her servants. She's a wealthy businesswoman, probably had lots of servants. Were they there that day? Maybe, maybe not. But probably if they weren't, she went straight home. And she shared with them what they had shared with her. And they believed like she believed. And immediately they get baptized. The early church didn't hang around and wait around to get water baptized. As soon as you get saved, it's time to get baptized. No doubt they explained what that meant, why they were doing this and making this public declaration. But they didn't wait around. They did it immediately. And so here's a lady with tremendous influence, a woman of great business acumen, a professional <laughs> businesswoman. Now she's saved. She's born again. She's found out about Jesus Christ. She goes home. She tells all of her servants. She explains the whole thing. And they come to faith too. And then they all get baptized. That, that right there was the beginning of the church in Europe. She was the first convert in all of Europe. And you and I are sitting here today and we can trace our journey right back to Lydia and Philippi. If Paul had ignored the Holy Spirit and continued east instead of coming west, history 
would have been written quite differently than it is today. But thank God he obeyed the Spirit, and thank God Lydia was there seeking and praying and looking for reality and truth, and thank God she received Christ. And then out of that, out of that very humble beginnings, began the first church in all of Europe. And today there are tens of thousands of churches all over Europe. And even though at the moment Europe is desperately needs a revival, out of the whole world, Europe is one of the hardest places at the moment for the gospel. But nonetheless, for centuries and centuries, there's been a gospel witness. There's been churches all over Europe. And so... She begged them to stay. If you find me faithful, she said, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be in the region for a while. Stay at my home. So it shows you she had quite a big house, big villa probably. Because there was an old household there. There was at least four in the evangelistic party. Maybe more for all we know, but at least four. So she must have had some house. And this is what I like about this woman. Whatever she had, whatever God blessed her with, She's decided to use it for His glory, whatever it is. I was just reading last night. I don't know if you know or know or not, but in America there's a movement started among billionaires. It's a giving movement. And it's, funnily enough, it started by Bill Gates, Microsoft uh, owner, and Warren Buffett, uh, a multi-billionaire investor. And they started up saying that we want to give billions to good causes. And they encouraged other ones. The, the, the uh, originator of Facebook, young man, 26 years old, multi-billionaire, uh, he said he's joined it now too. And just reading yesterday, we're a multi-billionaire uh, Christian, a man called David Green, uh, who started up a, a Buying a hobby, you can go in, you know, where you do hobbies. He started hundreds and hundreds of stores across America and different parts of the world. Multi billionaire, he says he wants to be part of that too. Well, they want to give billions away. Warren Buffett says by the time he dies or when he dies, he wants to give 99% of all of his billions away to good causes. He's not even a believer. Some believers, you couldn't get the tithe. Honestly, couldn't get them to give a fiver in the offering. Shame on us. Here's this woman. First thing she does, she looks around and thought, God's blessed me with all this. How can I use it? Oh, you can stay. Make yourself at home. You know, there's plenty of food here. There's plenty of beds here. Stay as long as you want. And so she persuaded us. I don't know how hard it was to persuade them, but she persuaded them. Now i got to read the next little bit because... It all kind of fits in with everything. That happened as we went to prayer. A certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The guard followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That's a preacher would love somebody shouting that after them. It's never a good thing when the devil aligns yourself, devil aligns himself to the preacher. Sure, it's not. These are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation, and this she did for many days. 
But Paul, greatly annoyed, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But her masters, when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. doesn't say anything here but Timothy and Luke. Perhaps they escaped at this point. But just these two. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them and threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from the sleep, from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because if a prisoner escaped, it was death for him anyway. About to kill himself. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Not that they would automatically be saved, but they would have the opportunity if he would get saved, at least they would get to hear the truth. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them unto his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God and all his household. So the church that started with Lydia is now about to grow. It's going to get some new members immediately. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers, saying, Let those men go. So the prisoner keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying the magistrates have sent to let you go now therefore depart and go in peace but Paul said to them they have beaten us openly uncondemned Romans remember Paul had Roman citizenship and have thrown us into prison and now do they put us out secretly no indeed let them come themselves and get us out <laughs> he had them on a hook he's going to make them squirm now the officers told these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city so when they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren they encouraged them and departed now here the little embryonic church in Europe was born. Now it's got some members. But did you notice, and this is the wonderful thing about how God brings people to faith in Christ. Did you notice that for this man it took an earthquake? But for Lydia, 
It's just Paul sitting down by the riverside, just talking to her quietly. No earthquake, no angelic appearance, just somebody just sharing the gospel quietly and simply. But for this man, it took an earthquake. God has different ways, hasn't he? For different people to bring us to faith. Whatever way he uses, that's okay. Some people need an earthquake. Some people need dynamite to move them, don't they? Other people, my wife, the very first time, the first time that she ever heard the gospel preached clearly, the first time that somebody ever made an appeal for souls, the first time she ever heard that, I should say, she put up her hand and got saved. The very first time. Other people's heard it a million times and they're still not saved. So, what about this church at Philippi? The Apostle Paul loved this church. And he visited at least on one other occasion, maybe twice. <coughs> then about ten years later, he writes a beautiful, beautiful little book to them. Lovely letter. The book of Philippians. And in that letter he commends them and he tells them in Philippians 4.16 that, that twice, twice he said, you gave to me. Well, nobody else communicated with me regarding giving and receiving. It was only you. You did it. You backed me. And then he was under house arrest. And he writes his second letter to the Corinthians when he's under house arrest in Rome. And he talks about the church of Philippi and how they were such an encouragement to him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 8, he brags about them. Remember 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the two chapters about giving. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, so that's Philippi and by now other churches. In that great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with such urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and all diligence in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So Paul's bragging about the church in Philippi and the other church in that region. Saying how generous they were to him and those indeed in Jerusalem. And whenever you read the book of Philippians, You'll find out there actually they were under tremendous pressure. They were being greatly persecuted by Romans. Very, very difficult life Christians had, particularly in those days in Roman colonies. Uh, and even though Lydia was a very wealthy businesswoman, but that wasn't, she was the exception to the rule. Most of them actually came from the lower classes and from the slave classes. And so money was scarce, money was tight, but in spite of all of their poverty, they abounded in their liberality, he said. 
to others. What a church. What a great church this was. And it all started with Lydia. It all started with that godly woman who was seeking more of God. And this church began to spring up. And so he writes to the church, and even though he's imprisoned, and he's writing to them who are going through tremendous pressure, the whole theme of the book is joy and rejoicing and gladness. It's a great book about joy. Hmm. 1970, a lady called Sheila McAlpine. And reading the very story we just read, she felt very exercised and burdened to begin a, a woman's prayer fellowship. And that prayer fellowship grew into Lydia Fellowship International, which today is all over the world. North America, South America, Australasia, Africa, India, Europe, all over the world there's branches of Lydia Fellowship. It all began by Sheila McAlpine reading the story that we just read together. So after 2,000 years, this woman Lydia is still influencing and inspiring others to pray. Isn't it a wonderful story? And so she's the 12th notable woman of the Bible. There are so many. You say, David, you didn't talk about Ruth. Well, I'm not going to this time because probably out of all the women in the Bible, I've probably spoken about Ruth over the years the most. So you probably could preach it better than I could, but I. So I'm not going to do Ruth, but there's so many. But we, we will do some others, but at least there's 12, six from the Old Testament and six from the New Testament. And I don't know about you, but... I have been inspired and encouraged just reading their stories. Just seeing how God uses woman for his glory. Mightily. Even after thousands of years, they're still influencing people all over the world. So ladies, be encouraged. Godly woman, be encouraged. God has got a work for you. He's got a purpose for you. And he just loves to do it through you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.